0: So, Bre- so Raven and I, uh, Brendan and I, great start to the show, Tassos. Um, so Raven and I were just talking about uh, fights in the National Hockey League. We uh, were talking about the Foligno Bowl last night that took place here in Chicago. And um, we were wondering if any brothers had fought in the National Hockey League. And then it came to our record that Wayne Primo and Keith Primo fought, yes- or not yesterday. We, um, in 1995. In 1995, they fought each other. Um, and that was uh, more of a tilt for the show than it may have been trying to get some licks in on each other. but uh, started with a net front scramble and uh, maybe part of us wondered if we were gonna see that yesterday, maybe not between the Felino brothers, but uh, it definitely was boiling to that point when we saw Marcus Felino drop the gloves with Jared Tenorti. That was uh, quite the heavyweight tilt there. Minnesota wins two to one. that only three games last night, but they were all great, by the way. I might add, hope everybody's having a lovely Thursday um thanks to raven for coming in today um and yeah so we'll, we'll start with the hawks and then we'll work our way back in terms of games that happened last night but um the hawks drop another one two to one and their scoring struggles continue without uh the young Connor bedard but um you could tell it definitely took these teams a little while to shake off the rust from the all-star break um they were definitely trying to make that happen through a little bit of physical play um <clears throat> and uh it, it worked by the second period the the legs were moving the the tensions started to boil over we had the Felino tenority scrap and that was a marathon bout of marathon bouts and um yeah that really set the tone for the rest of the game uh we obviously saw the jake lucini goal in the first period that wasn't um too much worth note but um we definitely saw the the fight get everything going nick Fellino scored right after that with his brother still serving the five minutes for fighting and then Marcus Felino gets a goal of his own. And so that was his ninth. Nick got his tenth. And the Wild win 2-1. to one. It was a good game for all go- goaltenders involved, Gustafson and uh, Mrazik. And uh, pretty pretty low events game. I mean, if you were the Blackhawks, maybe you wanted to put another one over the over the goal line but um overall it was uh, probably all according to plan they, they were competitive they were playing to that identity that they've wanted to establish with the hawks as far as work ethic and forecheck and backcheck too um but that was a much needed win for the minnesota wild we uh we'll see where that takes them they are i f- i think five points now out of a playoff spot they were seven points out yesterday so it's going to take a climb for the Minnesota Wild to get there, but it will uh, start with an effort like that to get them there. Yeah, they are currently five points out of the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. Um, elsewhere, I mean, the game of the night was probably the the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Dallas Stars, but I feel like we would uh, not be doing hockey justice if we didn't jump over to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers game, particularly the Mikhail Sergachev injury. Um, that is a brutal loss after he had just worked his way back from such a long recovery beforehand. Um, it did not look good. It was, um, very fairly innocent looking play, just a tangle up along the boards with Alexi Lafreniere. And, um, there was no hit really. There was nothing that sort of led to it, but, um, Sergeyev just kind of fell backwards awkwardly and landed on his left leg. It bent were bent in a not so great way. And, um, Oh, did we just see a Kelly Olenek deal? Sorry, this is just uh, coming across my desk. Any, there, it um, is
1: NBA trade deadline, and I was going to say... Um, is it trade deadline day today? It is. Oh, Buddy okay. Heal just what? got traded to uh, the 76ers.
0: Kelly well. Olynyk just got traded to the Raptors. How about that?
1: That's a good pick for them. They need a guy that can space the floor, play a little defense.
0: For Kira Lewis Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick. Okay, all right. Um, for Kelly Olynyk and Ochai Agbaji. I will admit I don't really know too much about the second name there. I do know uh, Kelly Olenek is a good Canadian boy. So nice to see the Raptors stockpiling Canadian talent. They also brought RJ Barrett into the fold earlier this year too. And I was going to make a quick Raptors show, er, note near the end of the show, but I guess I'll do it now. Uh, shout out Scotty Barnes for making the All-Star game too. Uh, representing the Raptors, representing West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, shout out Scotty. So um, back to hockey though and the surgachev injury. I don't... I mean, it doesn't look good. You could tell by his reaction that, one, he's very disappointed, and two, I think he knows that it's not good either. Um, He posted a pretty emotional um, picture and caption on Instagram later. I'll read it to you now Um, just because it is pretty uh, gut-wrenching when you consider what this guy has been through. Quote, oh man, why me? Why now? After all the games missed, coming back and getting injured again feels unfair, feels terrible. Trying to stay calm and positive, but it's impossible. After doing everything right, I get this. The universe is unpredictable, I guess, and has its own plans. But f*** the universe, man. I know I'll come back stronger, and I know I'll play better than before, but it's tough right now, and it's going to be tough tomorrow. We all fight our own battles, and this is mine. I'll win, always do. Pain meds are good, though. If I was in the forest by myself, I'd be dead. Crazy, innit? Wanted to write how I feel here. Don't know why, but just wanted to let people know that care about me know. I appreciate all of your messages. Thanks to the medical staff. Um, yeah, the the New York Rangers medical staff was really on top of things uh, for Sergachev. That was really nice to see. Um, but that's a tough injury. One for Michael Sergachev. We wish him all the best in his recovery. Um, we'll see if he ends up making it back towards the end of this season. Uh, hopefully it is not as bad as it looked. But if you're Tampa Bay... This is a tough blow, and I know you've been operating without Sergeyev for a while on your decor, but the extended now absence of him is going to most likely expose what is already becoming a pretty thin blue line. We saw the dealing of Ryan McDonough to the Nashville Predators, um, and this team overall is starting to thin. You take a look at the bottom six of the lineup. Obviously, over the years, we've seen players go like Alex Killorn and Andre Palat and a few different players, obviously Kolarin left last summer, out the summer before that, but um, these are not your your uh, older brothers, Tampa Bay Lightning. Everybody, um, it is uh, definitely becoming more and more difficult for them to put wins together uh, and to play to the identity that brought them to three straight Stanley Cup finals. Um, so we we will see. Uh, Maybe, depending on the situation, they put Sergeyev on long-term injured reserve and that frees up a little bit of cap space for them to bring in a piece closer to trade deadline that'll help beef up that back end. Um, I would anticipate that Tampa Bay makes a move of some variety. I would be thoroughly surprised if they didn't. So um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, New York Rangers win the game 3-1 to last night. Two goals for Jimmy Vc, including one into the empty net and he's just been markedly impressive this year. I've spoken about him a little bit, but I definitely want to put a little bit more out there. He gets another two goals, and one stat I wanted to look at, and I know that he he only has, I think, 11 on the year, so nothing too out of reach. Yeah, the, the empty netter was his 11th of the season. I just want to make sure I'm speaking correctly to you all. Um, but the league average shooting percentage from high danger scoring areas is 17.6%. Jimmy VC is currently shooting in that area of the the ice at 25%. Not saying that there will we will possibly see any regression to the mean, but I think it does show that he is putting himself in the good areas to score. I've talked about that a lot. I mentioned it yesterday. When we're talking about young players really trying to establish themselves in the National Hockey League, can they get to the good areas, stick there? Players like I mentioned Noah Casey yesterday going through a sophomore slump, mentioning that if he wants to get back on track, it would be wise of him to just head to the front of the net. A lot of Jimmy Vesey's goals have happened there. Um, Obviously, yesterday, the first one was a backhand beauty on a two-on-one that he ended up finishing off himself and um so he can score and he's a speedy energetic forward he plays on the penalty kill a little bit for the rangers uh they view him as a pretty integral piece to their lineup i think he got a two year extension i know he got an extension in season this season not that long ago so um the rangers win 2 to 3 to 1 a, another win for jonathan quick also another win for jonathan quick in which he only allows one goal and Look, I know everybody, and myself included, believe that Igor Shosturkin is the starting goaltender for the New York Rangers and that if game one of the playoffs were tomorrow, that it would indeed be Igor Shosturkin starting in net for the New York Rangers. However, if we should not take a second to really consider the merits and the play of Jonathan Quick and also the struggles of Igor Shosturkin, I know he was great in all-star game and, He is a former Vesna Trophy winner, not that far removed, and we could definitely see him get to that level of play at any time he puts it together. But to discount the play of Jonathan Quick, to not admit that the Rangers season might look entirely different if not for the play of Jonathan Quick, having him as a stopgap for Igor Shosturkin and having him fill in um, as a normal backup would, number one. And two, now we've seen back-to-back Jonathan Quick starts post-All-Star game break, so um, we might have a bit of a goaltending controversy brewing here. And look, I mean, the the work that Benoit Allaire, the goalie coach for the New York Rangers, has done for Jonathan Quick has been remarkable. I mean, I don't think anybody, when he signed with the Rangers this summer, thought that he would be any more than a 10, 15-game backup, maybe giving the Rangers slightly league average goaltending I mean I I know I'm being harsher but this was the reality of the situation this was the consensus amongst uh people in hockey when the the deal was originally signed but now we might be talking contract extension with Jonathan Quick and the New York Rangers who would have thought so the Tampa Bay Lightning sans Sergachev will be in the on the island tonight in the island um yeah they will be on the island tonight taking on Patrick Waugh's New York Islanders so they are right back at it no time to rest for them no time to recoup and evaluate the surgachev injury and see where they are see where that leaves them going forward um that is one of a bunch of really good matchups tonight really good hockey i mean look there were only 3 games last night too and there's only 7 games on tap tonight but uh a lot of the games tonight are very good games all of the games last night were good games um Look, I mean, we've gotten two games out of three so far, and I think we might have missed out on the, the game of the night, the the Toronto Maple Leafs beating the Dallas Stars 5-4. That game had everything, really. I mean, such an entertaining game. We had a penalty shot. We had three power play goals for the Leafs. We had uh, Y Johnston making it close with a few minutes to go. But uh, I wanted to start talking about this game with mentioning Mitch Marner and the, the goal he scored— to regain the lead 4-3 to three in the third period after Evgeny Dadonov ties it on the penalty shot, his second in the game. Really cheeky move on the penalty shot, too. Just straight shot, but like being able to put it up over the, the blocker of Samsonov like that, it's um, really, really a good shot placement by Evgeny Dadonov, who seems to have found a nice home for himself in Dallas. But um, the Mitch Marner response, to be able to... Put that to be able to corral the puck uh, from the pass from Austin Matthews. That was one, a really not great pass. It was very hard. It was right in his skates. And I don't know how many players there are in the National Hockey League. Forget the team itself. Um, I don't know how many players there are in the National Hockey League that would be able to take that hard of a pass off your skates and create a goal off of it. Not just a goal, though, but an incredible opportunity for yourself that you. Create almost out of nothing, and I think Mitch Marner might be the closest player in the National Hockey League that we have to a freestyle basketball player, to a like hoops uh, and one mixtape player that um, is just freestyling out there. He is he can do what he wants. He he looks like he's playing basketball, like pick up basketball, and it's a treat to watch. It is um, it is really fun um obviously a lot of people are going to talk about the John Tavares play he seems to have been rejuvenated after a uh, slump pre-all-star game break and now a few days off seems to have done well for the captain and um the the pass over to William Nylander the shot the two goals in the 30 second less than 30 seconds to make it 5-3 after the stars tie it uh that sealed the game for Toronto um one player I did want to mention, again, I know I mentioned him a bit yesterday just in terms of how snake-bitten he's been and what it'll feel like to eventually put the puck over the goal line. But uh, keeping an eye out on things, I have seen really good play out of Tyler Bertuzzi. I think that guy is going to break out very, very soon. And when the when there's a crack in the dam, it will eventually burst, I feel like, for Bertuzzi. Um, he could have had two last night, was buzzing all over the ice. And like I said, a lot of people are going to talk about on the 5-3 goal that patience by John Tavares to cut in the middle and feed William Nylander. And it was just a great play overall to shield and protect the puck. Um, But what not a lot of people are going to give credit to is the taking of a hit in the defensive zone by Tyler Bertuzzi so that John Tavares is able to pick the puck up with speed going through the neutral zone. I don't think I've seen John Tavares move with that much speed this season. So um, that was just an underrated play that I don't think a lot of people are going to give Tyler Bertuzzi credit for he is willing he's a smart intelligent hockey player. He I don't know that he's scored 30 goals before in his NHL career, but I know he's gotten close with the Detroit Red Wings. And um it is that ability to read the play to be like, "All right, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to take a real hard hit and pin along the boards here and the captain's going to get going with speed," which is just really nice to see. So, um why Johnson obviously getting the goal, I uh won a little bit of money off that one not to uh say anything about that, but I did uh Went a little bit of money off a of Wyatt Johnston Dallas goal last night anytime. Um, so good good on him, good on my wallet. And um, just a great night of hockey overall. Like I said, only three games, but they were all really good tilts. Even the even the Minnesota Chicago one, which at times I felt watching it could have uh could have been played on uh fast forward a little bit, but it was still a very entertaining game. The players made it uh Fun and back and forth and physical, like I said, too. So the hockey's getting really good here. We are heading into the stretch run and these teams know what's on on the line. They um, all of these games are starting to become important games. Two point games are turning into four point games and um, they're just it's really good to see. And I think while we are on the Maple Leafs and then we can move away from the Maple Leafs. um, This was probably an interesting story that didn't get talked about a whole heck of a lot. It was uh, first reported by Glenn McGregor of Canada's National Post, and it is in reference to Maple Leafs captain John Tavares in a dispute with um, in a dispute with the Canada Revenue Agency, uh, talking about a uh, misreported calculation, an incorrect calculation of how much of a fifteen point three million dollars signing bonus he owed when he signed his seventy seven million seven-year contract with the Maple Leafs in the summer of 2018. Um, so about this story is the CRA states that he must pay over 30% of his bonus, while Tavares claims he should have been taxed 15% to a treaty be- between the United States and Canada that set li- rates lower for athletes. So Tavares also argues that where he were he to get traded, the signing bonus would remain consistent and that the 15% rate should remain consistent. Um, this is from a story from the hockey news written by uh, Matthew Page. So, um, what else do we have here? Uh, the CRA, the Canadian Revenue Agency, also states Tavares's calculated income was higher than was seventeen point eight million higher than reported, and that he owed an additional six point eight million in taxes and one point two million dollars in interest. Um, we'll see where all of this goes. We um, was talking off air a little bit with Brendan yesterday about this uh and I I haven't heard a lot about it since it first came up and what the repercussions maybe of this have been maybe I can do a little bit of a deep dive with uh, one of our Canadian reporters one of these days maybe with Avery or um someone but a law went into effect and I want to get the law right um but oh shoot um so there was a law that went into effect January 1st 2023 basically saying that um non-canadian nationals cannot buy property in canada and i know that that created a lot of stir around the national hockey league because we have seven national hockey league franchises in canada a lot of them are populated with american hockey players and if you are an american hockey player or if you're any hockey player staying in a market for any amount of time but if let's say a longer duration of time you have an interest in buying property you don't want to sit there and continue to rent property and throw away your money paying someone else's mortgage if you're gonna if you know you're going to be in a market for a long time whether that's austin matthews or whether that's um any of the players on any of the teams if you're an american on a canadian team if you're kyle connor if you're cole caulfield you want to buy a place you don't want to necessarily rent a place unless you know you're going to be moving around eventually but if you've been in a market for three years and you know that you have a contract signed for the next seven, go buy a place instead, right? It's more financially feasible. You're collecting assets for yourself. You're diversifying your portfolio as far as where your money can go and trying to own property is never a bad thing, right? So we know that the taxes in Canada are very high. The taxes in Ontario in particular are even higher, but uh, Canada in general, the taxes are very high. And we know that A lot of players have dictated where they want to go in free agency, chosen where they wanted to go in free agency based off of the state income tax of some of the states here in the U.S. Florida is becoming a more popular destination, right? Um, Both Tampa Bay and the Florida Panthers. Um, The Dallas Stars have become a haven for people who are searching for tax breaks same with Las Vegas, same with some of these other markets, right? A lot of the Southern teams have that advantage where they can offer that to some of these players. Um, So I guess it just paints a larger picture, this whole John Tavares situation. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what the final count is. I just figured I'd get that out there as far as what the situation is. And keep in mind, John Tavares is a Canadian captain of one of the premier franchises in the National Hockey League. And one of the premier sports organizations, one of the premier companies, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, in Canada, where um, if we're really going after that, what might a player like Austin Matthews think or Kyle Connor or insert American player playing for Canadian team here? So um, just an interesting thing to note, I definitely want to get an update on what the situation is with that rule regarding American property ownership in Canada and if that has been changed a little bit for athletes um, I don't even know why that rule was put in place in the first place. Maybe we can get a little bit more um, light shed upon that. Um, so just an interesting thing all around. Like I said, we will see seven games around the National Hockey League tonight, one of them being the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the New York Islanders. They will be without Mikhail Sergachev at least for today. We will see for how long, most likely later today. Um, Raven, how? Are, so we've talked a little bit about it here, but how, how are we feeling about a Wrigley Winter Classic, man? We got the... We got the official announcement last night from the NHL and Connor Bedard. Keep how about this though? I just before before we get your thoughts and I do want to hear them. But how many people right now are are they opening up Wrigley for you? You saw the video right on the Hawks yeah on the Hawks Instagram of uh, on the Hawks socials of Connor Bedard in Wrigley with that awesome jacket that I'm pretty sure they're going to sell a ton of pretty soon and. Um, but like, how about that? Like middle of middle of February, early February, and you got the you get the Cubs turning on the lights for you over at Wrigley Field, so uh, you can announce that the Hawks are having a Winter Classic. But we've talked a little bit about just how exciting it is for the city in general. We also uh, spoiler here we have our first in person guest on, I think any show really that we have on the network so far, but definitely first in person guest on this show. And uh, it is my buddy Lee we'll be talking about. Uh, We'll do a deep dive on the Blackhawks. So we'll definitely get into more of this tomorrow. But um, just your first initial thoughts on on a Wrigley Winter Classic, on an outdoor NHL spectacle, a mere 10-minute walk away from where we
1: currently sit. It's nice. It's going to be fun for the city. I mean, I think a lot of Chicagoans really enjoy the things that are outside where everyone can go. You got like Chris Kindle Market and a lot of other things downtown that are happening, but it's going to be cool just to see the people kind of going out and supporting the team in a little bit of a different way because the United Center is a little bit of a haul from us, but that's not anything bad. But it being so close is going to invite a lot more people to get there.
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna. We have a lot of time between now and then, but uh, we will definitely be doing some work here within this office, growing ourselves by that point, and also maybe having some fun things set up for that weekend in particular. I think that will just be a big celebration for hockey in general. But more on that tomorrow with Lee. I just wanted to uh, hear what Raven had to say initially about it. Um, I also
1: did a quick Google search on the Canada ban. Oh, yeah? What do you got? What do you got? Uh, it says that it's part of a government response to uh, the affordability crisis. Interesting.
0: I don't know. So look, I know that a lot of people in Canada, I have a lot of friends and family that live in Canada. I understand that the uh, cost of living is very high from the metro areas of Toronto and Vancouver and even Montreal to some extent to even some of the rural areas. People are struggling to um, understand the affordability of everything from housing to food to you name it. Canadians are struggling with it and I understand that. To be honest with you, I don't know how this necessarily alleviates any of the issues of that. I mean, you can paint your own picture as far as what you might think with that, um, but I, I don't really know how that does that. I feel like you're, in essence, limiting the growth of your economy, right? If you... Um,
1: I mean, I see both sides of it. Yeah. No, I hear you.
0: I hear you. Um It's just interesting all around. Um, I should mention that uh, we also have Olympic qualifying games starting today. We're going to get into the rest of the NHL games. We're also going to get Martin Pospisil's extension first. Um, But Olympic qualifiers start today. I will be taking those in today. I will be taking in a Great China versus Great Britain game at 2 o'clock Central today. Um, That one should be a doozy. But there's there's Olympic qualifications all over. Um, There's one group in Budapest starting today. There's one group in uh, Cardiff, Great Britain starting today. There's another group in uh, Poland starting today. So the winners of those groups will move on to the next round of Olympic qualifiers. I will be having a keen eye on the one going on in Cardiff with Romania and Serbia. So um, I'll give you a little bit of an update on that next week. Um, a friend of mine coaching Team China at that one. I wish him the best of luck. And it uh, should be entertaining hockey. should be really good hockey. I know all those teams are going to bring it. So um, that should be fun. We love seeing the growth of hockey in these countries. Um, also want to give a shout-out to Spain. I know they're in tough with the group that they're in. They'll be playing Hungary, Lithuania, and Germany. So, uh, pretty tough set for Spain. But the fact that they've gotten this far in the Olympic qualifiers still says a lot about the growth of hockey in that country in particular. So, excellent to see. We love to see hockey growing around the world. Um, Martin Pospisil, extended two years in Calgary. He's been great. I know we've mentioned him his name quite a bit uh, since his call up to the national hockey league it is an average annual value of one million dollars um it will take into effect next season and more and more you can really start to see a new version of a calgary flames core start to form themselves we've i mentioned Connor area a lot yesterday he's been excellent since called up obviously Pospisil has been a physical force he's a bit of an agit. he's a more than a bit of an agitator but the growth in his game since he's been drafted has been tremendous. Um, it's his fifth year with the organization. Made his NHL debut November 4th, and he scored his first goal in the same game against the Kraken. He's already played in 34 goals. He's got 11 points. I mean, the guy has just been—but it's more about the points with Martin Pospisil. It's the agitation factor. It's the energy. It's the spark. It's the hitting. It's all of it. So, But you can really start to see this uh, new core in Calgary starting to take shape We saw Jacob Pelche's return to the lineup the other night. Um, He's definitely a big part of that going forward. And then down in the AHL with the Wranglers, you have Matt Coronado, who had a hot start at the beginning of the year with Calgary, and then they moved him down to the AHL to get more uh, top-line reps, and he's just been phenomenal for the Wranglers. And obviously, Dustin Wolf, too, Netminder, who they have yet to fully break into the NHL, and I know he's had his struggles in limited amounts of time in the NHL, Um, but I think with Dustin Wolf, it's just about giving him a good solid run of games. I don't think you can give him backup goaltender spot duty. I think with a guy like Wolf, he's a workhorse and needs to be given the net a lot. And I don't know that necessarily that's available in Calgary with the incumbent Markstrom and Vladar in there currently. But we will see how that shifts in the future. But you can really start to see this team start to take shape. Um, Their top prospect playing junior hockey right now is Sam Hansek of the Vancouver Giants. I know he's... Uh, had a little bit of a struggle. He's on pace to up his game in terms of points per game with the Giants, but I know he's missed some time with injury and I know he had an underwhelming world juniors by his own standards. I'm sure he'd admit to you. Um, but he's won a part of that next wave of great Slovakian hockey that, that is coming that next golden generation for Slovakian hockey. But, um, look, we've talked a lot about Calgary, maybe moving off some of the pieces that they have. We talked yesterday, even about the Tanev Hannafan situation, where that that might all go. Um, But if you can recoup maybe a a younger piece or two, Andre Kuzmenko's already, I mean, it's only been one game and we'll see him in action tonight at the New Jersey Devils. But um, he just seemed like a really good fit. You could tell that the team was really energized by his presence. Jonathan Huberdeau, I mentioned a couple days ago, just had a phenomenal game in Boston. And um, if he can really get going to even... Close to the player he was the year before he was sent to Calgary. And you can have some of these veterans like Mackenzie Weger and Nazem Kadri and Michael Backlund stick around. The It should be a very good mix of veteran and young talent that could really one, make the Flames competitive now, and two, shepherd them, these younger guys that we were talking about and whoever they end up picking up, whether it be young prospects at the trade deadline or NHL draft picks that they use this summer, um, bringing these guys into the National Hockey League and showing them what it takes to be a pro. I mean, we know, I I don't need to overstate or understate how much Nazem Kadri is a pro, um, but... Just some of these guys, we can really just start to see something good happening in Calgary, and I think they feel confident. It's been a struggle in Calgary for a long time, as it has been with some of these teams, but definitely in Calgary, of who wants to be there and who really wants to stick around in Calgary. We saw Johnny Gaudreau for nothing, obviously. Matthew Kachuk kind of forced his way out of Calgary and uh, go to Florida, Um It hasn't been the necessarily easiest situation. We saw Elias Lindholm moved on because he didn't want to sign a long-term extension in Calgary. wanted to test himself in the free agent market. Now he finds himself in Vancouver. Um, So I just am pretty impressed with the work that Craig Conroy has done so far. And it only leads me to believe that things are on the up and up for uh, the other team in Alberta. So um, like I said, we'll see them in action tonight against the Devils. The Devils with a good win against the Colorado Avalanche the other night. We'll see if they can make it two in a row. Um, speaking of teams that really need to start kicking it into gear, it is about that time for the New Jersey Devils. Um, we are at that make-or-break point in the season where you never know if Tampa Bay slips out of it, right, with this Mikhail Sergachev injury. I think we've all been waiting for that Philadelphia Flyers fall off that just hasn't happened yet. And I think we needed to start giving John Tortorella a bit more credence in the Jack Adams Coach of the Year discussion. But... Um, it's going to take a little bit for, a, it's going to take a, more than a little bit of a push to get the New Jersey Devils back into the playoffs. Obviously, you have um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders ahead of them in the race right now, both in terms of points and points percentage. So, um, or the Islanders are not actually, I'm sorry, I misread that. But uh, the Penguins definitely are, I to be very transparent, I love the Penguins to make the playoffs. I think they've been playing a lot better recently. The game by Tristan Jarry the other day obviously was the highlight, but the overall team structure just as a whole the fact that you have Sidney crosby playing at the level he has and the excellence that he will demand from others going forward the rest of the way give me the pittsburgh penguins to make the playoffs however don't discount the new jersey devils yet i think they uh if especially if we see a jack hughes return i don't know if it'll happen tonight i haven't heard any word on it yet but if we have an imminent jack hughes return don't don't count out the new jersey devils quite yet um we will also see the Vancouver Canucks that I mentioned earlier in Boston take off take on the Bruins. Uh, we should see a bounce-back effort for the Boston Bruins with how displeased Bruce Cassidy was. Uh, he was none too pleased with the effort against the Flames the other day, and um, it should be a really good one. We're going to see some more growth out of this Vancouver team. I mean, be, that was a tough game coming out of the break, having to be in Carolina, playing the Hurricanes. They go down... And they go down early and they pull out a win. Like that was a really gutsy performance in Carolina. Like I said, coming back from the break, there maybe would have been some excuse for a little bit of rust. They sent not only their head coach, but six of their players over to NHL All-Star Weekend. So um you could have faulted the Vancouver you couldn't have really faulted the Vancouver Canucks if they came out a little bit slow in Carolina and they didn't. It was in fact the Boston Bruins who came out slow. So That should be a really entertaining game. I think we'll see Thatcher Demko in that one um, going in net for the Canucks. So um, speaking of bounce-back efforts, um, we should also see one from the Winnipeg Jets tonight. They will be in Philadelphia taking on the Flyers. Um, Another Just all of these games tonight and going forward. I mean, every game you can really paint a picture of some sort of importance, some sort of meaning to a game, what it means to the overarching story of hockey and the, the hockey season as a whole so far this year. Um, but the the Jets are in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. Sean Monahan had a had a good but not great debut for the Winnipeg Jets in his first game in Florida. And I think that um, if you are—no, the Philadelphia Flyers— who, who did the Winnipeg Jets play the other day? The Philadelphia Flyers got the 2-1 win over— um, the Florida Panthers in, on their first game back from break. They, oh, it was the Penguins game, right? The Tristan Jarry shutout. out. So um, Monahan was good, not great in that one. And we, uh, we'll see if um, that second line is really able to get going. I don't know what it has been so far with the Winnipeg Jets as far as putting the puck in the back of the net. Uh, we know team defense has been incredible, and the most important defensive player that you have is their netminder, and they have arguably the netminder playing the best in the NHL right now. So um, – it is uh, paramount that Winnipeg really starts to uh, put the puck in the back of the net. I um, think that they have the horses to keep it going. Um, obviously, Connor and Ehlers and Shifley. If if Monahan fits well in that second line with Ehlers and Cole Perfetti, then things can really unlock for the Winnipeg Jets. Now... If Monaghan isn't a fit, then maybe things get shuffled around a little bit. I could also see maybe an Adam Lowry promotion to the second line and see if Sean Monaghan fits more on that third line in Winnipeg that has just been excellent as a trio so far with Lowry and Um, But just interesting things to take on. And obviously for the Philadelphia Flyers, um, goaltending has been a bit of a, a tricky situation lately. Obviously uh, Sam Erson was very good in the game in Florida. Um, I would expect that he goes again tonight for the Flyers, but um, just gaining a bit more consistency. I think uh, Sean Couturier has been very good, but I think um, John Tortorella definitely wants to see a bit more out of some of his players, probably Joel Farabee, I think, maybe a Cam Atkinson type, type, even though I'm I'm an enormous fan, fan of Cam, and I think he's been playing excellent this season after missing the entire season last year. Same goes for Couturier, but... Um, definitely a bit more consistency will lead to uh, more people believing in the staying power of the Philadelphia Flyers. So that should be a good one, Jets, at the Flyers. Um, and maybe the game of the night. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow to see if I'm right or wrong on this one. But uh, the Colorado Avalanche are in Carolina. They are in rally to take on the Hurricanes. And um, Nathan McKinnon was not very happy after they lost to the New Jersey Devils on a late John Marino goal. So um, you could see him kicking and banging his gloves and sticking frustration, walking off the Prudential Center ice the other night. So um I bet we will see a very inspired performance from Nathan McKinnon. I um I assume we'll get Alexander Georgiev in net. I don't know if the Hurricanes are gonna go with Peter Kachekov. Obviously he started the game against Vancouver and he was not bad, but not game stealing. And you know, we can get into if goalies steal games nowadays anyway, but um you could have argued that maybe you wanted one more save out of peter Kachekov, but i i'm still very high on the goaltender i've spoken about him before on this program and i will in the future especially as i believe he will uh take a full-time net in the national hockey league particularly the one in carolina um i don't think they have any intentions of moving him but um i also wouldn't discount the carolina hurricanes for potentially being in the market for a goaltender if there's anyone available especially um with the status of uh frederick anderson being up in the air i don't know that they want to necessarily go into the playoffs without an insurance policy for auntie ranta and peter kachekov so um but it should be a great till tonight in carolina with the Aves in town um yeah i mean I'm, I'm just really looking forward to it i think nathan mckinnon has exceeded everybody's expectations as far as the mvp race and uh every night is a show with him so we will uh, see how that goes. Um, the other games tonight are the Capitals in Florida taking on the Panthers. And the VGK are in Arizona to face their desert dog rivals, the Arizona Coyotes. And um, maybe it's a bit fitting that uh, we end there. I do want to talk about the Arizona Coyotes a little bit for a second here. Um, I do have a meet- We have meetings around here later. So uh, we're going to cut it short in a little bit here. But... Um, Obviously, the story around the National Hockey League right now is the situation going on with the Arizona Coyotes. There are a lot of um, people talking about it. So to decipher what is fact and what is fiction right now is a bit of a struggle. Um, We're also talking ownership situations and arena deals and land deals. Um, I came on here and said that the Arizona Coyotes had purchased a parcel of land in northern Phoenix last week. That was not entirely untrue, but uh, what my reporting failed to mention and what has been discovered later on is that that land was essentially a bid by uh, Alex Morello and the Coyotes ownership group and that that land is essentially up for auction. So what they basically did was say, we are in on this auction for land. And the auction for that land could happen in April, it could happen in July, it could happen now. Um, but the fact that there's no timetable on what the auction for that land could look like, and here's the thing about an auction too, you're not necessarily guaranteed to win an auction. So um, if that is what the Coyotes are putting all of, if that is the basket that the Coyotes are putting all of their eggs in, then it might be that the NHL is looking at um different options for the Coyotes. We saw deputy deputy, uh, not deputy commissioner, uh, Marty Walsh, NHLPA uh, head, mention pretty sur- in a pretty surly manner at NHL All-Star Weekend that um, the players obviously are very frustrated. He's very frustrated with the situation. He obviously held no punches back when talking about the Coyotes' ownership group and the fact that deadlines have been set and not met with regards to decision-making on what is going to happen with this team um, there was a report from David Pagnota that the Coyotes are um, oh just coming across the desk here too. Bill Guerin of the Minnesota Wild, uh, general manager of the Minnesota Wild, has been named the general manager for the Team USA national team for the 2025 Four Nations Cup and the 2026 Olympics. So congrats to Bill Guerin about that. He has a very very interesting task at hand to be able to decipher all the strong american talent that is um currently in the national hockey league right now and putting them all together into a um cohort of young stars that aims to win america's first gold medal at the olympics since the miracle on ice um it should be a really interesting one i think this is the best collection of american talent that we've had ever so we'll talk more about that as we get there but obviously uh really interesting news coming from USA Hockey today regarding Bill Guerin um, and Wild PR obviously Um, but here's the report from David Pagnota that uh, Utah Jazz owner Ryan Smith has offered to purchase the Arizona Coyotes for a quote significant sum Um, we will see where that goes I don't know exactly how that would work there's a lot of options at play when it comes to the Coyotes Um, Morello could straight up sell the team to someone else Um, I know that I think the NHL's long-term desire is for Phoenix Suns owner Matt Ishbia to be the owner of the Arizona Coyotes. Um, a lot of renovations were just done to, I think it's called the Footprint Center in Phoenix, where the Suns play. Um, but I know a lot of renovations have been done to that arena very recently, and they did not include sightline provisions and uh, ice hockey. It wasn't, Those renovations were not done with ice hockey in mind. So... And we also have not heard a lot from Ishbia during this time. We've heard from him a little bit regarding the Coyotes, but not so much in the last eight months. So maybe he's uh, playing the silent game and trying to gain leverage, leverage in negotiations and in purchasing power through through his silence. And um, or maybe he's just not interested. But um, the report coming, obviously from David Pagnota, that uh, Ryan Smith has offered to buy the Coyotes for a significant sum is interesting because we know how vocal he's been about his desire to own an entertainment or own an nhl team obviously the smith entertainment group um his group wanting to get into there um the governor of the state of utah calling gary bettman to express just how much salt lake city would be a valuable city to the the national hockey league um it's going to be a very interesting situation. I think the National Hockey League wants an opinion and a final decision—not an opinion, a final decision—soon, probably sooner rather than later. I think the imposed deadline was the All-Star break, and the fact that we don't have an answer yet is probably very aggravating for Marty Walsh and the rest of the NHLPA. Um, but if you really think about the last time the NHL relocated, which was the movement of the Arizona or the Arizona, the Atlanta Thrashers to the Winnipeg Jets, um, 2.0, that the sale of that team to true North sports and entertainment was not done until May. So there is time to figure something out. Um, but I think something wants to be done next season. And I think something needs, something's going to need to give eventually here. Um, I don't know if playing in mullet for another year is really an option. Um, We've heard a lot of discussion about the fact that if the NHL were to leave Arizona, that Arizona would immediately skyrocket to the top of the list as far as um, potential expansion. But in my personal opinion, it's going to be very, very tough to go back to Arizona once you've already left Arizona. And here's why. Right now, yes, you don't have an arena and you are currently playing out of a college arena. But at least you have the team there. With regards to eventually returning, you're then looking at somebody to front an expansion fee and also come in with a building. So it's just a very tricky situation. And we also obviously know that the NHL values their franchises at around a billion dollars right now. We saw the Ottawa Senators go um, to—oh, gosh, who did the Ottawa Senators just get sold to, Raven? Um, Check. Thank you. Dave uh, Michael Anlauer. I got it. I got it. Uh, We're good. But um, the Ottawa Senators were just sold to Michael Anlauer, and they went for $950 million. But keep in mind, too, they came with Canadian Tire Center. And also the idea that a uh, government worked on situation would happen with building a new arena, whether that is in Canada, another Ottawa suburb, or even in downtown Ottawa, which I think is the best move. But um, for... Ryan Smith and a purchase of the Arizona Coyotes. There is no, there is no real estate here. There's no arena that comes along with uh, the purchase of the Coyotes. So, if that's the situation, what are you truly valuing the Arizona Coyotes at? I know the quote here is significant sum, but is that six hundred million? Is it more? Is it? I mean, what are we really valuing the the? the the arena is at nowadays where where does that fit into the landscape of that one billion that gary envisions i mean like look if we're if we're talking expansion with uh, the growth of the national hockey league and bringing some of these markets teams you know the the expansion fuel will probably be close to what michael landauer lauer paid for the senators i would only assume that these prices are going up so um you know peg Noda also said that he believes the nhl will have around 36 teams by 2030 so um in my opinion that might be a bit more of um a bit more of an stretch but it should be very interesting so we're going to monitor where this Arizona Coyotes situation goes from here I um personally I would like to see the Coyotes stay in Arizona I know that's a pretty unpopular opinion um but I think it's a good market it's one of the bigger markets there are hockey fans in Arizona there are hockey players that come out of Arizona. You look at the premier franchise or one of the, the Yankees of the National Hockey League, the Toronto Maple Leafs, have two players born and raised in Arizona. Matt, Austin Matthews is born in California, but obviously two players raised in Arizona, the other being Matthew Nyes, um, playing on the team and contributing as big pieces of the club. So it is not, it's not as if there aren't uh, retired NHLers that live there that are contributing to the growth of hockey in the youth. It's not like there aren't fans that have existed since the team moved from Winnipeg 1.0 in the 90s. I mean, hockey is a sport that is popular in Arizona. While that hasn't necessarily translated to, yes, a full-time building and maybe even selling out the mullet arena from time to time, um, it is still an interesting situation to monitor. Like I said, I think it will be infinitely more difficult for the NHL to return to Arizona once they leave the market in the first place. So, um, I hope everything gets figured out there. But if not, it seems like uh, Ryan Smith is ready to go with a team in Salt Lake City. What would you call a team in Salt Lake City, Raven? What would what would the team name be? You got the Jazz already, but you have the Blues and hockey. The Jazz
1: doesn't make any sense for Utah either. But anyways, um... Hmm... I, the salt the salt shakers? I don't know. The
0: salt shakers. That's a good one. I mean, maybe something snow-related, ski-related, like the ice caps I could see. I was going to
1: say, something like mountain-related would be cool, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, I could definitely see Mountaineers it. I Mountaineers, mean, maybe? And look, none of this is to say, just because I'm voicing an opinion that I want the Arizona Coyotes to stay there, I think Salt Lake City, if the NHL does expand, look, I think 36 teams is a lot, but I don't discount the fact that it could be a realistic possibility within the next you know, I mean, David Pagnota said twenty thirty, so what is that? Oh my gosh. Five and a half years? Um four teams in the next five and a half years. I have a theory on that in a second, but I'm gonna hold that for just one moment. Um yeah, I mean, uh we're I think Salt Lake City is definitely
1: a market that could fit in um so um I think there's a numerous cities that fit. I know Like San Diego is expressing want for a NHL team, which is yeah, the San Diego and
0: Portland, Oregon. I think Portland would be a really cool market too. You obviously have junior hockey there with the Winter Hawks, um,
1: and the Ducks, the Ducks hockey there. uh, Oh, yeah, the club team, big, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. the coolest jerseys and club college hockey. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think Oregon's definitely an option. I've mentioned Quebec City a few times on the show. Um, there always exists the talk of Houston and Atlanta and Kansas City. Um, I've even heard loosely Milwaukee, although I don't really know how much of a viability that is. And honestly, the Hawks might even try and block something like that with due to the proximity of a city like Milwaukee. Plus, they have the ads, so... They have the ads, and they have college hockey there, too, with Madison being right there. So I don't know that uh, there's necessarily a space for Milwaukee right now when it comes to NHL ownership. Um, but I think that's a good market, too. Like, I think they would support it, even though it might be a bit tough. Maybe putting it in Milwaukee might be a struggle. But if Green Bay, you know, I could I could see it. I could see it. Um, but anyway, so we're, we're going to monitor the Arizona Coyote situation. Obviously, some decision is going to be need to be made at some point. Um, like I said, the, there could be an outright sale of the team. We could also see the National Hockey League take ownership of the team from alex morello and then resell it to someone else probably ryan smith um so that's an option obviously the the nuclear option if the you're the nhl and this is uh credit to elliot friedman's 32 thoughts blog i saw this there the nhl could revoke the franchise ship if they really you know if that if that was really the how the situation came to a head here and um how did friedman put it if uh If Alex Morello does the Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not leaving kind of thing and just says that, the NHL could realistically just pull the franchise and dissolve it. Um, That would be option nuclear, but um, it's been a very interesting story. I know a lot of people are ready for this story to end, too, because it feels like it's been a situation for the last 10-plus years, and I know everybody's ready to see it resolve one way or another. I know I am, too. So um, what else? What else? I feel like there was one more thing. Oh, so here was my theory, and I wanted to. We can end the show on this, but my theory about NHL expansion, I was thinking about this while watching that Marcus Felino, Jared Tenorti fight yesterday. And yes, we know that there are teams in the National Hockey League that are currently in a rebuilding state, so they are not necessarily in the market right now for talent acquisition on their current roster. We know Andre Kuzmenko was available, and if the Hawks really wanted him, they could have gone out and got him, but they did not. Because they know that Macklin Celebrini is waiting in the wings for them to potentially pick him first overall. Ditto if you're the San Jose Sharks. Maybe ditto if you're the Anaheim Ducks. Although they have definitely done more in the way of trying to put a competitive roster on the ice. Same goes for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't think they were intentionally as bad as things have turned out to be this season. But here's my thought, Raven. And I want to maybe t- get your take on this. But this is, my, this is my theory here. If the NHL expands, More fighting. We will get more fighting as the NHL expands because more jobs, more players coming up from the American Hockey League. You are, I know the 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 message, the news headline, the catchy news headline when it comes to this idea is the NHL is getting watered down, right? There's too many teams. There's too many players. There isn't enough, uh, there aren't enough NHL players to house 34, to fill up 34 teams worth of jobs. Um, I've on the flip side, when we talk about the PWHL, we talk about the talent level being so high, um, and the jobs being so competitive because there are only six teams worth of spots, right? Um, the flip side of that. And look, I, I believe that there is a little bit of credence to that. Um, but also when I look at the national hockey league standings nowadays, and I see the way that the standings sit and some of these teams have been playing, there is a lot of mushy middle. There is a lot of just teams middling And in in my mind, that's the, that's the, the death knell for a sports team. You don't want to be just missing the playoffs, but you don't want to be, you don't want to just make the playoffs or just miss the playoffs. And then if you just miss the playoffs, then your draft pick ends up being somewhere in the 14, 15 spot. That doesn't really do a whole lot for the growth of your organization long term and trying to get really high end picks in the door. Um, because we know that's how you build, you build through the draft, especially through the top five, top three, top two of the draft. Um, So, but fighting. So I think if the NHL expands, yes, we are going to see a lot more jobs opened up. If the NHL expands to 34 teams, that's an extra 40, close to 50 jobs of professional hockey players. Yes, I do think there are players in the American Hockey League right now that could be playing in the NHL. Looking at you, Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork. But there will definitely be some players that join the NHL that maybe are a bit on the rougher side of things maybe decide that they have to throw the gloves a bit more i know the fighting's up this year and i know that the intensity of the fights seem to be up i know that is more of a opinion based thing and not something you can really calculate with numbers but from everybody i've spoken with it seems like the fights are more passionate and have more weight one and two just meaning behind them Um, These guys really dislike each other. They are really beating the brakes off each other nowadays. Um, So I I think we would see that that is an indirect um, situation that will come from NHL expansion. I bet we will see more fights like the one we saw last night between Marcus Foligno and Jared Tenorti with brother Nick Foligno watching from the bench smiling and also with a look of fear on his face, too. You could see in his eyes, but enjoying it nonetheless. Um, That'll do it. uh, That'll do it for us here today. We got to jump to different meetings. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Everybody enjoys the hockey tonight. Should be a great night of hockey. And we'll be be back uh, tomorrow morning to talk about it all. Bye, everyone. Thank you to Raven.